The Guardian. Hello, this is Guardian Daily. I'm Michael White at the end of a week in which the new LibCon coalition formalised its agreement 400 points. Uh, the field of candidates to replace Gordon Brown as leader of the Labour Party opened up dramatically and David Cameron nonetheless found time to rake his own party with friendly fire uh, by uh, breaking up the 1922 backbench committee of Tory MPs. I'm uh, here at the Guardian HQ today with columnist Martin Kettle. Martin, you wrote in your column to today that the coalition could outlive the decade. Explain. Well, it was, my thought is this, that assuming, and it is a big assumption, that the coalition gets through the spending round and the budget and really survives into a period of economic recovery so that things look good in about 2013, 14. We think that'll probably, they will survive, don't we? Well, I think it's more likely than not. Uh, but obviously one must sort of just put down markers to say that it, things things might go pear-shaped. However, uh, assuming just assuming that it gets through to 13 or 14 in reasonably good shape, the recovery is in, in pretty good order by then perhaps, and uh, the liberal agenda has been legislated. So there's a general feeling that, it, that they've come together and made it work. The question then is... As the general election of 2015, May... May the 7th, they've May the 7th, 2015, out. date in your diary, uh, nears, are these two parties simply going to govern right up to uh, April the 7th, 2015, and then go off and beat bells out of each other for four weeks? Or might they have some kind of an alternative vote pact with one another to support one another under the new electoral system, which may or may not have got through the uh, the, refer- the referendum. Am I not right in thinking that Clegg said we will fight as separate parties because there is talk of, well, the phrase people use is the coupon. Back to 1918 when the Tories and the Lloyd George Liberals fought a, a, a coalition and won a, a landslide. Pretty disgraceful one, but let that pass. All that's true. I mean, but, you know, when you get coalitions, you get all the stuff with coalitions as well. And one of the problems in any coalition, look to Europe and you can see that, is that as a general election comes along, the parties start to kind of take their distance from each other because... This is part of Mrs end, Merkel's it, problem in Germany. It absolutely these was. Weeks, yeah. And, uh, you know, and uh, we, we may be moving into that sort of territory here, especially if we have significant reform of the electoral system. All I'm suggesting is that it might make sense for the two parties to fight uh, as independent parties but have an electoral pact to support one another's candidates with second preference votes, in which case in practice they could also be um, campaigning for the re-election of the coalition, which, uh, you know, if the coalition looks a, a good deal to, to the voters, might be a pretty good proposition at the ballot box and, and a problem for Labour. Certainly would. So let's turn to the Labour leadership and uh, take a closer look at each of the candidates. Uh, The first to declare, of course, was the favourite David Miliband, who used a speech in his South Shields constituency to spell out why he's the man for the job. Here he is. We've just had an extraordinary general election. Now the Labour Party must reform, repair and rebuild in opposition and prepare to fight and win a general election again. For that, we need a new leader, and today I declare my candidacy for that post. I do so, above all, because I am an idealist, 
about politics and about Britain. I believe that you judge a community by the condition of the weak, not just the strong, that you build a community with rights and responsibilities together, and that through common humanity but also self-interest, we have obligations to people all over the world. Right, Martin, let's look at the elder Miliband as if we were uh, used car salesmen. Uh, tell me his strengths and weaknesses. Well, I think he's a, he's a serious figure, um, has been around in government, knows how it works, uh, got uh, good, a good thinker. Um, those are the things that are, are in his favour. Um, it's said that he doesn't, uh, doesn't socialise quite as well as some of the other candidates, including his brother. I've never found that to be a, 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 a problem. You're he not a speak, typical voter, Martin I'm not Kettle. a typical voter. And, and, of course, he does speak fluent wonkish, uh, which is, uh, can be a bit of a problem. I thought, his, uh, I thought his pitch up in South Shields was uh, uh, pretty, pretty, pretty sensible. But, I mean, I, I think that doesn't distinguish him from most of, the other, most of the other candidates whose hats appear to be in the ring now. And um, Brother Ed, as you said, for some people he's better retail, he's more responsive to uh, voters, he, he, he talks to people better, and he's younger and not associated with the Blair Brown era and anywhere near as much as his brother, although he worked, with, uh, worked for Gordon Brown. Um, let's, um, let's hear his uh, uh, speech to the Fabian Society when he launched on, was it Tuesday, I think? My message to the British people is we will learn from our mistakes. We will be part of your values again. We will be part of your community again. And we will work with you to build the kind of country we want to see. And my message to our party is this. We have to use this leadership campaign as the first step on the road back to power. Because that is where we should be as a political party. And it involves in facing up to uncomfortable truths. I think it should be a fraternal contest and not just in terms of myself, of myself and David. But all the candidates, but all the candidates uh, at this uh, election. I think Ed Miliband stands a very, very strong chance of winning this election. Um, I think that's because uh, the party wants to have confidence that its leader is someone who is a bit different politically from the Blair Brown era. And as you say, Ed Miliband, I think, has positioned himself, uh, not, not for tactical reasons, but because it's what he believes, in a more traditional social democratic kind of position, uh, the kind of position, you know, which in past elections, somebody like Roy Hattersley might have run uh, uh, on, I suppose well, you might Ed say. Ed Miliband was a peacemaker but, sometimes but between Ed Blair and Brown, is that right? Yeah, I mean, he, you, you, as you know, I mean, he was to some people the to the Blairites. He was the acceptable face of the the Brown operation. He was the one they could talk to. He he was the mm, one who mm -hmm. was who was polite to them. Sometimes, uh, I think, pretty much most of the time, he is the compromise candidate in many respects between David Miliband, who is perceived as the Blairite candidate, and Ed Balls, who is perceived as the Brownite candidate. And although Ed Miliband, in practice, is also by employment and training and uh, inclination, more Brownite than Blairite. He somehow manages not to be uh, weighed down by these labels, we as the other two people I just mentioned are. Yeah, we'd be right in assuming that his brother, whichever brother comes second, would probably 
do their best to help the other brother, or is that a sentimental family Have you got family a brother? <laughs> yeah, uh, I, yeah I do, as a matter of fact. Okay, I stand corrected. But these brothers seem to get on very well. I know, it's interesting, isn't it, when you hear politicians saying, I love my brother. You know, you don't often hear politicians talk about love, and it, probably just as well. But uh, Well, there aren't the, many people the, they can, they exactly, can respectfully exactly. and respectfully love. You know, I think... You know, it, it obviously is is an extraordinarily odd position to be running uh, against your brother for uh, a pl- for political office. It hasn't happened uh, very much anywhere, as far as I can remember. And as someone you know who has a brother myself, you know, it, that kind of conversation would be a, a difficult yeah, one to have. Indeed. You know, the elder versus the younger. Uh, you know, the smarter, you know, the more handsome, whatever it is. You know, all right, all right. Let's not, let's not I, go I don't there. know. Right. I, don't, I don't want to go there. Now, uh, we have a different kind of family dynamic with our next candidate. After the two Millibans, uh, we heard from Ed Bulls, MP for highly marginal uh, uh, Morley and Outward, who saw off predictions that he would be uh, not so much decapitated. I think the joke was castrated in the last election. Can't work that one out. Close ally of Gordon Brown, as you said a moment ago. Uh, he declared uh, midweek, and of course, course, the sub-drama was that he'd said to his wife, Yvette Cooper, also in the cabinet, uh, well, of course, if you want to stand, darling, um, a gentleman should uh, give a lady the opportunity. Uh, she said, no, thank you, darling. But here's Ed Balls once he's uh, on the road. I'm going to put my name in for the Labour Party leadership. I think it's a really important um, election for our party, but also for the country. And I think it's really important that we don't just talk to ourselves. We've got to go out and hear what the public say. There'll be time for speeches from people like me in due course. But I want to start by saying, let us hear what the voters have said to us in this election, um, to come to meetings like this, to see why we won in Gedling, a brilliant result Vernon had. But the truth is that despite really good campaigns, we didn't win in Erewash, we didn't win in Sherwood, we didn't win um, in Basildon where I was this morning. And I think we've got to listen first, hear what uh, the public say. That is what is going to be at the centrepiece of uh, um, uh, of, uh, my campaign. You know, it's just really important that we are a campaigning party, but we're also a listening party. And that's what I'm going to be doing in the next few weeks. Well, the received wisdom about Balls is that, apart from his political baggage as the conciliary to Gordon Brown, who lost this last election in no great form, uh, Ed Balls has got an image problem, uh, Martin Kettle. Uh, he's trying to soften it. He said several unexpected things this week. Uh, does that sort of talk matter, or is there a real issue there? Ed Balls is a, a more interesting and complicated figure than I think he's often presented as being. I mean, he is a smart person. There's no question about that. He He's uh, read a lot of books, he's had a lot of experience, and he thinks very deeply about politics and history. And he is the kind of person, you know, who could lead a party if he's got the right character set to go with it. Um, His problem, as you say, is that, you know, not a lot of people like him. He is abrasive. He doesn't suffer fools gladly. He doesn't. Pretend. Real danger that in politics, it's a isn't real it? Da- With I mean, people he, less he, clever than yourself, yeah, that's most he, people. He, most he, of us. I mean, he definitely talks down to mo- to, to most people. Uh, that includes probably you and me. And uh, yep. he's, uh, you know, so he doesn't go around making friends, and that's a problem if you're running for office. On the other hand, he has working for him the redoubtable Charlie Whelan, uh, who has spent an awful lot of time in the last year or two trying to line up a lot of union uh, support for Ed Ball. So if that uh, delivers for him, and I don't think that's a foregone conclusion, but if that delivers for him, uh, he can exp- he can hope to poll 
run pretty strongly in the union section. That's a third of the constituency. And, and, and at this yeah. point, I think we probably need to just remind ourselves that this is an election with with uh, uh, three a three part electoral college. A third uh, of the voters are the MPs. A third of the voters are the members of the Labour Party. And if you join now, you get a vote uh, as an individual member. And the other third are the affiliated uh, dues-paying, levy-paying members of affiliated unions, almost about three million people. Now, in past elections, those people have been told to vote for very left-wing candidates by their leaders and have um, rather splendidly uh, given two fingers to the um, union leadership and voted, for, and voted for who they bloody well wanted to. Yep. Now, that may well happen again. One imagines it will. But uh, there's certainly a big operation behind uh, Ed Balls at the moment, and uh, that's one part of the thing to watch. But I might say, having seen the uh, quasi-presidential uh, televised debates and the, recent, the innovation of the recent election, that... That's precisely the area where, rightly or wrongly, a potential prime minister has to be judged. Can he do this? Can he win those things? Or can he at least fight to a decent draw? And, uh, you know, Ed Balls has, as we say, got work to do. There's evidence that he's really trying now. And but political leaders do remake themselves. Harold Wilson and Harold Macmillan were both famously bad public speakers and very dull and pedantic in their use. And they taught themselves to be witty and elegant. Certainly did. OK, we'll move on to the next candidate, who is... John McDonnell, who tried to be uh, the left's candidate in the last leadership contest, tried to break that coronation grip that Gordon Brown had exercised on the party. Turned out to be a bad idea anyway. But uh, John McDonnell, uh, left-wing MP for Hayes and Harlington in the London suburbs, Heathrow workers, uh, Heathrow constituencies, uh, he and Michael Meacher couldn't cut a deal to let one of them run, and in the end, Brown got his coronation. Uh, this time he's trying again. Here he is. A lot of people have asked me whether I would. A lot of rank of our Labour Party members have, have asked me to to, and because they want someone from the left on the ballot paper, they want a balanced ballot paper so that people can have a range of candidates to choose from. So I've said, yes, we'll seek nominations. If you remember, after the last election uh, for the leader of the Labour Party, we all said that we didn't want a coronation again. We, and everyone has said up until now that we want an open and democratic process. We want a range of candidates from all the different wings of the party in a really proper debate. Uh, Martin, uh, John McDonald, uh, cheeky, cheerful chappy, uh, a nice man to talk to, I always find. Uh, but he didn't get the backing of uh, the entire campaign group last time, a feeling that uh, he didn't work the field properly. Uh, and as we know, he's got new problems now because of the next candidate we're going to talk to. Uh, will he fare better this time, do you think? I rather think he won't. I mean, a lot of, there's a lot of piety surrounds John McDonald's candidacy, uh, in which people say it would be very, very good if he stands because it's important to have a real broad range of choice and so everyone's in favour of him running but well, nobody's going to vote for him or well, at least that's right. but uh, would it have been better a, a if small been minority to... will undoubtedly vote for him but would it have been better if he'd been able to force the, the issue with Gordon Brown last time my feeling is overwhelmingly that it would have been even John McDonnell would have drawn Brown out Absolutely. I think everyone in the Labour Party now admits that that was a, 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 a mistake and they're very, very keen to avoid it. Of course, when the prize is a rather smaller one than it was uh, on that occasion. Yeah, and getting smaller all the time if we believe the coalition's <laughs> plans for squeezing the Labour Party. Right, we've got a field. The field is getting uh, uh, wider. If there weren't enough 40-ish Oxbridge-educated uh, MPs, ex-cabinet ministers, former special advisers, all of them in contention, here comes another one, former health Secretary Andy Burnham, who also fits that template, he threw his hat into the ring uh, midweek. I think I've got an ability to speak to people who have lost faith with Labour, and that's very much what I want to do 
in my, my pitch to, to run as a candidate. I will run on the very simple theme, reconnecting Labour. And I believe I've always kept in touch with my roots and my feet on the ground and I can connect with the people who sadly have lost faith of the party in recent times. Martin, he's a Lancashire lad, uh, uh, elected uh, as an MP in his own uh, neck of the woods, born in Liverpool, I think, and uh, has got claims to the support of non-metropolitan Britain in a way that perhaps the others we've discussed so far uh, don't. Do you think he'll get support beyond the North West? I think he might. I think he is the dark horse candidate in this election. Um, He might do really very well. It depends how well he pitches it. What, What he's got going for him, it seems to me, is, you know, his authenticity, you know, he makes sense as a Labour leader. Uh, maybe he's a bit too young, a bit too handsome, all of that. But you know, he tells the story. He tells he's got a good personal story, and you know, he. I think that's a that's a good start. Then the question is, you know, what does he think? Can he put it over? Uh, the next few months are going to tell us that because although he's held a very senior and important office um, in the Brown cabinet as uh, health has. secretary, you know, huge budget, run run the NHS. Um, yeah, that's very important in anybody's uh, CV. What we don't really know is what how he cuts it as a public figure, making a speech, putting over a case, and uh, generally connecting with voters. I think he's, you know, the one to watch, though. All I right. think it'd be very he sounds, interesting. He sounds rather diffident always, both in private conversation and in public speaking, rather diffident speaker. On the other hand, looking back on his tenure as health secretary, you might say, ooh, perhaps he was craftier than we thought because he caused a lot of waves uh, early on by saying, that the NHS should always be the, quotes, preferred provider of services. And the private sector, which had been trying to get a share of the NHS cake, using the uh, NHS badge to provide services at all sorts of levels, said, hang on a minute, I thought it was a level playing field and it caused quite a lot of trouble. Burnham had to backtrack. On the other hand, Unison and other unions will have noticed that and been grateful. And the other thing is he that he's, what he said this week that I thought was interesting was that, you know, the... The, the old new Labour uh, position on tax, if if you can put it that way, you know, which was not to uh, not to put up personal taxation, and he made quite a strong case, Burnham, this week, was saying, you know, that that Labour simply has to be a, a party of fairer taxation. It has to it has to be prepared to take the rich on a little bit. Uh, how much is, of course. Uh, a bit late for that, some well, of us might argue. No, but but in terms of the theology of these things, it's quite an interesting okay. shift. Right. There's usually a surprise candidate in any leadership election, at least there should be if those things are working according to script. This one was no exception. Twitter went into meltdown when Diane Abbott, uh, Labour MP for one of the Hackney seats, popped up uh, in an interview on the BBC's uh, Today programme and confirmed what The Guardian's diarist, Hugh Muir, had hinted at in his column that morning morning, big scoop for the diary, that she was going to be a candidate too. Jim Nocte uh, was rocking on his back heels on the radio. Anyway, here's Diane Abbott, irrepressible as always. I think a lot of people are worried that although there are five in the field, there's very little to choose between the front runners politically. And people want a broad debate. They don't want issues off the table. And they also want a range of candidates which reflect the modern Labour Party. You mean there's no difference between John MacDonald and David Miliband? Well, John MacDonald has already conceded he can't get 33 nominations. Right. 
So what are you going to do about it? I'm going to run. I'm going to. I've so many people in the past 48 hours have asked me to put my hat in the ring, and I have finally agreed to do so. Well, I think we need the broadest possible debate. I think we can't go forward with a leadership debate where you know there are no women, and I think we need to speak to our supporters and speak to our members in a way we're not speaking to them up until now. Well, there we are. Two minutes ago, there were five in the race. Now there are six. Uh, I'm, I'm just wondering what to ask you next. Well, Martin, Mike Smithson of Political Betting, clever chap, uh, was moved by this to point out that uh, Barack Obama started out at 50 to 1 for the US presidency. You could get those odds on Diane Abbott this week. I think that's overstating it a bit with great respect to Miss Abbott. What do you think? I rather agree about that. I mean, again... Diane Abbott, rather like John McDonnell, is one of those candidates that people say, you know, it's really good if they're in the race because it ensures a uh, it ensures a plurality of um, view, views and and and, op- and options on the ballot paper. Her problem is that she and John McDonnell are very much going for the same kind of uh, Labour voters, and uh, they may, rather like Michael Meacher did uh, a few years ago with John McDonnell, they may prevent one another from even getting uh, enough nominations. Of course, <coughs> Abbott has some things going for her in she this She certainly does. I was just which, about to point um, that out in case you have McDo- forgotten. Which McDonnell doesn't. McDonnell, like you and me, Mike, is uh, of advancing years, white hair, white skin. Diane is a black woman, so she can tap into that strong sense that there is after the yep. 6th of May election yep, absolutely. that, that uh, neither ethnic minorities nor women uh, are getting a fair share of uh, British politics and uh, if she's smart and she can be smart she will play to that uh, if she's going to if she thinks she really can make some waves in in this election will she get elected will she hell no. Well, I have to register dissent from the proposition that uh, women and ethnic minorities haven't done quite well out of this election. The ethnic minority uh, group in Parliament has doubled its numbers of MPs, and we've got. I report secretary. F- I'm simply report reporting what people, what okay. people are saying. Okay. Rather but than my sense is that yeah. the, the 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 potent element of this is that the sisterhood dynamic, the feeling that there ought to be a woman. Uh, and that Harriet Harman decided not to stand. I thought she was right. Patricia Hewitt took her bat home. Uh, Ruth Kelly has disappeared. The the women you would expect to have come through the Blair years, they're not there to stand, and that the sisterhood might pile in behind Diane, or a lot of them, just to make a point, to make sure she gets a decent show. There's a strong feeling of solidarity there among women politicians because they still feel themselves to be a sort of slightly beleaguered minority. Well, that's true, isn't it? But equally, the sisterhood uh, can be pretty... uh, What's the... What's the acceptable word to use here? Just you be careful. Um, I'm going to be very, very careful and uh, say they can be uh, quite competitive. And so I think that there will be several of the Labour sisters thinking, well, why, why didn't I think of that? Uh, am I going to back her? What a pity it wasn't me. <laughs> Fortune and, favours uh, the bold. And, I, and I, I think you're right that you know a woman candidate has has things uh, going for her in, in, in this context. And a good woman candidate, I think, would would be a very, very uh, strong candidate. Um, I think Harriet Harman, if she chose to run, even the, if she, even now if she chose to run, I think she would uh, be in a very strong position. Um, she, I don't think she's going to, but you know, the right woman, I think, would win this election and would be a fantastically strong card for Labour to have in its hand. Yep. 
point taken. All this week I've been taking soundings at Westminster uh, and the race is beginning to take shape. At one point I cornered former Labour Cabinet Minister, the indestructible Peter Hayne, in a corridor in the Commons and put it to him that Labour mustn't turn in on itself at this point. It is often the danger and the party ends up in a sort of naval contemplating exercise, but I think Ed Miliband especially has got the ability to inspire, I've noticed it's one of the reasons I'm backing him, people way outside the ranks of the party, the kind of following and the periphery around the Labour Party that we used to have uh, in the past, but we've lost year by year in government. And that's what I think is very exciting about him and a very necessary prelude to winning next time. And that's partly intellectual, it's partly the argument. I read his speech the other day, solid speech. Others are saying similar things about renewal, but it's partly personality and chemistry, isn't it? It is partly personality and chemistry. I've been really struck at his ability, and it's a fairly unique selling point in that sense for the campaign, his ability to reach out. He's not seen as part of the Labour government past. He has less well-known than most, isn't he? Less well-known than you, a lot less. Well, he's, he's perhaps um, less well-known and, and has had, had, had less time in Cabinet. But he is a cabinet, has been a cabinet minister, and he's young, he's got cabinet experience, he wrote the manifesto, and so, yes, he's got some ground to make up in terms of profile, but he's got a freshness and a vigour that I think makes him attractive. So, in a way, having a lower profile means he ain't sharing the blame? Well, his profile is pretty high, just maybe not stratospheric. But then who knew, well, who knew David Cameron before he, he leapt onto that stage at the party conference? I'm not saying his, his profile doesn't exist, but particularly among climate change people, he's rather popular among them. They think he's on their side and that he's uh, improved the government's performance in the last two or three years. I kept hearing that in the leadership uh, in the uh, recent general election campaign. But I meant among Joe Public. He could safely walk down Whitehall without people chasing him for autographs. Yes, I think that's frankly true for all the contenders. I don't think that there's any contender... David Miliband, perhaps uh, better known than anybody else, but none of them uh, could necessarily uh, uh, go into any Marks and Spencers around uh, town and be, be spotted. Uh, but that's um, nevertheless the young, young uh, political figures, all with cabinet experience. That's the attractive choice we have. Uh, okay, well, we've caught Frank Dobson in Portcullis House where we lurk, Phil Maynard and I. Uh, how should the Labour leadership contest be around Frank Dobson? You've seen enough. Well, I think it should be run in a seemly way, but it should be an opportunity for people in the party to uh, express their views as to uh, why we've done well in the past, why we did badly in this election. Have you decided who you're going to back in this election? Well, I, I've decided it very logically. Uh, the candidates appear to need two criteria, uh, either to be called Milliband or to be called Ed, so I'm going to vote for the one that's qualifiers on both counts, I'd be supporting Ed Miliband. Jerry Sutcliffe, until last week, the sports minister, one of the best jobs to have in politics. Uh, how's, how are we going to handle this Labour leadership uh, contest and make it work for the Labour Party and for the wider public? I think we should use it as an opportunity, and we can do that by having a long process which the NEC have agreed. And uh, for me, it's making sure that all those people that think they should be candidates get the opportunity to get on the ballot paper. As big a field as possible? I think so. To give the opportunity, not only for party members and trade union members, but for the public as well to be involved in this as we choose you know, our next leader at a crucial time. Would it have been better for all concerned if John MacDonald and Michael Meacher had sorted it out last time and offered a left alternative to Gordon Brown so 
GB would have had to have gone through his paces and not the word they use still on the television and the radio had a coronation, which you flinch every time you hear, at least I do. Yeah, I think um, hindsight's a wonderful thing, but there was overwhelming support for Gordon at the time, you know, and that's where where we ended up. But I mean, certainly what we don't want to see this time is a coronation. We want to see a competition of the best that uh, is an offer to make sure that we get the right decision. Uh, have you picked a back? Uh, have you picked a candidate support yet? Yeah, I should su- know this. I'm supporting Andy Burnham. You know, I'm speaking to Andy. He, he you know, offers for, for me, you know, a good alternative. You know, it's time for somebody new. He's the next generation, I believe, and I think he's, you know, comes from the same sort of background as myself, and uh, I'm happy to support him. And finally, you may remember that at the start of this campaign, just as Clegg mania was taking hold, Phil Maynard and I travelled to Chippenham, where the Lib Dem leader was shoring up local support. That support in Wiltshire proved enough to keep out the vivacious Conservative candidate Wilfred Emmanuel Jones, the black farmer, as he markets his uh, successful agricultural products. I bumped into him rather unexpectedly, I thought, in Westminster's Portcullis House, not, alas, wearing an MP's posh plastic badge with a diagonal green stripe, but one of those they give to the visitors. But there's no holding a man like this down. Well, first of all, you have to start off on the basis that I got 21,500 people to vote for me, which is pretty remarkable, and that it was a really, really close thing. And we have to also remind ourselves that it was always a notional Lib Dem seat, and um, for those of us in the southwest, the Clegg effect had far more impact than the, than the rest of the country. Oh, why? Explain that. Well, because it's very, very strong Lib Dem thresholds. Okay. So if you look at the map now, you'll see that quite a lot of the Lib Dems retain their seat. And they've well, always lost had... seats to the Tories in Cornwall, which is where I come from, lost three out of six. Well, you know, th- th- there were some pretty odd results, but okay. generally in the southwest, that is their sort of stronghold. And if they did even badly there, they would have been in serious trouble. So that's, so that's the positive. Mm. And in terms of how could I have done things better, is that um, you and I know that the Lib De- Liberal Democrats are pretty nasty when it comes down to their campaigning. What do they pretty, do to you? Oh, some pretty awful stuff. And um, Well, look, I can't even go through it again because the pain is too much every Give time. Give us I, a the, clue. The, the, well, just nasty stuff. He's not going to be um, a, a full-time MP. He's not local. He, he, he doesn't live here. All the sort of normal sort of but horrible stuff. But in the countryside, they always play the not local card against anyone who comes from the next village. Look, all I'm oh. trying to say is this. No, no, no. All I'm trying to say is this, is that I believe that you should, pe- you should have a fair fight. And the, 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 the problem that I had is that um, the direction from central office was that we had to turn the other cheek. So whereas my instinct is to turn around and really fight and give back as much as I get, we were told not to do that because there was this fear that potential we would put up potential voters. And for me, it's a bit like being the oldest child in a, in a family and the youngest child comes along, pokes you in the eye and you're the one who gets a whack around the ear from your mom and dad because you're told as the oldest symbol in that you're, you should know better. This is true. And... The, the most frustrating thing is that you were, I was not able to go around and give as good as I got. R- remind us again, who was your Liberal opponent? We didn't um, meet him in the campaign. He was a management uh, consultant, wasn't he? Yeah, well, his um, is a management consultant, and his name is Duncan Hames. MP. Don't try and tempt me now, Michael. You're trying to wind me up. Something no, right now. You're no, trying to wind me up. Right. No, what are you, you're, you're in Parliament. I haven't asked you what you're doing hanging around here with a visitor's badge on. That must be galling. There you are. Why you are see, you here? And what digging are you, in again, again. No, the I'm not. In the I'm asking straight box. questions. What are your plans? Uh, do you intend to stand again or have you been cured? 
No, 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 no. I definitely want to stand again. I mean, if anything, this has given me a greater appetite to go into politics. The great irony is this, is that we've had all this talk about there being too many career politicians around. And just have a look at Parliament at the moment. Tons of them, tons of them. And you, you do need to get people who have some real experience of life there. And it doesn't matter about me being defeated this time. I've learned a lot from that. I will fight it very differently uh, next time. But I will definitely be in this place without the visitor's badge. There you are, Wilfred Emmanuel Jones. I fear we have not heard the last of him. Good luck. <laughs> well, that's all from me. Uh, my thanks to Martin Kettle and to producer Phil Maynard.